0: You're listening to leveling up where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. In your own words, who are you? I'm a blogger. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I blog and I help people build better websites. That's well said.
0: You know, one time we were at an event and people were introducing each other. This is at a private dinner. Yep. And one guy walked up to Syed, this is Syed Balki, everyone, and uh, founder of Awesome Motive. He has a bunch of WordPress companies. And uh, they're like, so what do you do? And Syed was like, I'm a blogger. Oh. And then the guy immediately was disinterested and he walked away. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: But I am a blogger, right? I do, uh, I started WP Beginner, which uh, helps people build better websites using WordPress. And WordPress is this open source software that powers 43% of all websites on the internet. So
0: yep. I'm a blogger. You and I look, we're, we're, recording right. now. those of you that are watching on camera, I am in shorts and I'm wearing slippers right now <laughs> and uh, we're in a hotel room. So we thought we'd bring this, you this conversation. And, uh, because we've been doing this retreat for, we call it the teleminati. We've been doing it since 2018 or so, yep. and now we're now in 2024. And we thought we'd bring you some of these conversations over here. So here, Sayed, how do people have an exit
1: every year in business? You run a profitable business and you take draws. I find it, I, I find it a little confusing. I'm perplexed by some of the founders' choices where they have no profit. They're not running their business profitably. They're burning money and they're raising capital every time they raise capital, they dilute themselves. Um, and only at the end of the day, maybe like eight years down, nine years down the road, they will exit. And the amount of money that they make from that exit because they've diluted so much and with different liquidation preferences and so on five percent it doesn't yeah it doesn't turn out to be as as you know wonderful of a story but you know those big media outlets will never say this is what the founder walked away with they will talk about what the exit size was but most the money in in those situations went to the venture capitalists and the private equities or whoever investor invested under good terms right so i believe that most businesses are not going to hit venture scale. Like, you know, it's rare that you will make a Microsoft or or Amazon or the Ubers of the world. Or, you know, th- those businesses are rare. Um, but there's so many more businesses that are wonderful businesses that grow steadily, and if you run them profitably, um, I think you would have more than enough uh, money to live off. Of. I mean, uh, I don't have very much needs in my life you know i'm a simple person i have a beautiful family and that's what i focus on i don't need to buy mega yachts or or jets or anything like this you know i told you i come from pakistan and for me what i have i'm really really grateful for and i think that to me is is is, is a way to exit run a profitable business every year take a distribution
0: yeah you know we so we have mutual friends where they're taking 20 30 40 million dollar distributions every single year and that's a sizable exit event every single year and the great thing is you still have the asset that you can continue to compound
1: yeah absolutely and you you know when you build a business at that scale um, you're able to deploy you're able to I mean, that that is life changing amount you of sum just keep buying assets um, yeah you you can you can buy whatever you want at that point but right. that is life changing and you can you yeah. can do a lot of good you can Give yeah. back to the world you yeah. can uh, donate to have philanthropy and um towards the causes that you want yeah.
0: what is your philosophy on masterminds peer groups things like that because i think for even if you're whether you're an entrepreneur or not it's something that's worth pursuing
1: absolutely i think one of the best ways to level up um at least what I've found in my career, is surrounding myself with uh, with high performers, um, other like-minded people who are creative, who are hardworking, who are solving problems in a unique way. And um, you can learn from their experiences and apply them in your own journey. So I actually prefer, this is my only way to network now. I don't like going to those 5,000, 10,000, 20,000 people events because I feel you don't go deep. You're you know on the surface and you're meeting thousands of people. I prefer doing events like this where we're eight people but we're going deep and we're really talking about the struggles, the challenges yeah. that you're having um, because they make a much bigger impact. So let, let's say you're someone that you're,
0: you're like 18, 20 years old. So how does a teenager or early 20 year old start building a network?
1: I think you start following people that you admire, that you're looking up to. Um, like when I was 23 or so 24, I discovered, uh, this value investor named Monish babrai Um, I read his book called "Tandu Investor and I followed all of his principles and, and so on. And fast forward about, you know, 19 years Um, now I'm in a mastermind with him and we're in a small forum group and we've become friends and I've learned so much from him. So I think you, you start, you know, by following the people and then what you will find is you'll find other people that are following those same, same people and the same principles. And that's how you build your cohort. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I have our cohort right here. Then I have, you know, a different group that I hang out with, um, that might be, uh, my, mentors in some way, or I would feel that, you know, I looked up to those guys and still do so.
0: And so for each of these cohorts, can you define a little
1: more like, what are you getting out of this
0: one? What are you getting out of other ones? Cause I think you need different masterminds or different groups or different things for,
1: for different situations. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you know, you're only going to get out of something what you're gonna put in, you know, so that you have to be prepared. So when we're um, coming and doing this to Illuminati event, what I really like about it is that one, we're all trying new cutting edge, you know, techniques, tactics, marketing hacks, um, business hacks. Because we're hackers, right? We all started with nothing. Um, you started with nothing. I was 16 when I started using WordPress. And um, so we're very creative and we have a unique way of solving problems. So my biggest thing that every time I walk away with it is some cool idea that's gonna yeah. that I can amplify. Um, in my forum group that I am with, I am getting a lot of wisdom and life lessons and philosophies on bigger picture things of yeah. how you do asset allocation, how do you think about life, and how do you think about kids? I have a seven-year-old, um, and I think that's probably yeah. gonna be my biggest contribution to this planet. Yeah, so. and, and your group, your, that forum group, by the way, it's, it's a lot of great people in it.
0: They're mostly, capital allocators, right? Yes. And uh, they're they're you know, they're a little older than you, right? So it's a little
1: different. Um yes, and but I, I do value the experience and For sure. I, yeah and yeah. I think there's a lot of value, you know, to be part of that group, I really enjoy the conversations um and the energy that yeah. that's there and the wisdom that's there is yeah. the next level
0: yeah so from that one you get you get life wisdom you talk more about capital allocation this one is like you know we're entrepreneurs but we're also marketers right, right. and then we're also around the same age too exactly so it's a little different you know we, we spent some time working out this morning too yep. Absolutely. yeah so a f- funny thing is uh one thing i've learned is this right like you, you talked about fo- following manish Prabhai in your early 20s or so mm-hmm. eventually you get to meet these people right like you and i like. I messaged you when i was working on a company you were like 21 years old i think i was 25 years old or something um and then i was asking to do like an affiliate deal with you we did nothing happened there right but eventually like a couple years later we met up and then we met up at a mastermind too and i think the key takeaway here is like if you just keep putting one foot in front of the other every single day eventually you're all gonna cross paths if you give up any any certain point then you know you'll probably not cross paths with these people
1: yeah, I, w- I was listening to this uh, Tony Robbins interview and something he said about, you know, Steph Curry and the amount of shots that he makes in private versus the amount of shots that he's made in his career and the ratio is so disproportional, like millions of shots in private and then only a couple thousand shots that he's made and he's the world's greatest shooter. And the quote that he talked about uh, that he said and I was like, this is so powerful is that you're rewarded in public for, you do, for what you do in private. And, yeah. and it was just like that, you know, you yeah. keep doing one step at a time and over long term, compounding is probably one of the most wonderful yeah. um, thing that exists. You, you had a phrase this morning. So we, we were working out and it was uh, the there's a negative compounding phrase. What is it? Uh, well, it was a mental model I was talking about that that I came up with. I call it the frustration coefficient. Um, And I think it leads us to make irrational decisions that will interrupt compounding unnecessarily. And as the late great Charlie Munger said, never interrupt compounding unnecessarily. Um, and the frustration coefficient, it's as real as gravity. You don't see it, but it's happening And the way to think about it is let's say somebody did something and it made you a little, you got a little annoyed. You didn't say anything. The next time that person did the exact same thing, nothing different, But your annoyance factor is x plus one and after that is x plus one plus one right so it keeps going up by a factor um and one day you just blow up and that can lead to a lot of negativity relationships getting broke and maybe you end up selling a business that you really loved um because you were frustrated about the wrong things your perspective on it and your attitude towards it was not right so frustration coefficient can be uh deadly and you need to be mindful about it. That. So that's a situation where you should interrupt the negative compounding. Absolutely. You need yeah. to practice radical candor and you need to, uh, you know, be upfront and be yeah. transparent about what it is and, you know, clear the air. Yeah. We talked about this
0: maybe a couple of years ago, but what is the, what is the right way for people to handle? Okay. Let me rephrase this. So let's say you have an, you, you have someone that you work with, right? They keep making the same mistake over and over you learned over the years that it's not the right thing to blame the
1: person necessarily what do you what do you do instead well one it's important to emphasize to the other person is that you're in the same team and you're working towards the same goal and towards the same mission and when you approach the situation that way it's no longer a personal attack on the other person and when you're talking about hey i care for you and I am giving you this feedback because I want you to see you do better. So it's not about critiquing the person, you're critiquing the situation and learning from that situation and how we can do better. And that's what all of us are doing anyways, all the time. You know, it's interesting. It, it it works, right? It works to an extent,
0: but some people, they take it so personally still, even if you say you're attacking the problem. And then it's just like, you just see them get more and more defeated. Others, they get more and more motivated when you do flip it. Right. Um, Have you seen that happen?
1: I think you know it's hard not to take things personally because if, especially if you're a high performer and you take pride in the work that you're doing and if someone comes in and says, hey, you know there might be some opportunities for us to improve one you got to take a step back and say yes everybody can improve and nobody's perfect and that's just sort of like your self-awareness at that at that level. Um, but when that happens you have to stop, take a pause and you know bring that centering exercise back. hey, remember. I am not attacking you. I believe that you are very capable. You're a smart person. You're a high performer, um, and we're working on the same team. So our goal is not to tear each other apart. Yeah. The goal is to tackle the problem head on um, and learn from the mistakes that we're making or the opportunities that we have to improve. And if someone says that they have no room to improve, and I think you know you you've hit an impasse.
0: Yeah. Well, let's 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 go with this one. So you know the the air gets thinner as you continue to climb higher, right? And you know, earlier we talked about the importance of masterminds and everything, but how do you maintain your friendships with other high performers? Cause high performers like hang out with high performers, right? Yep.
1: Um, I think you always have to have something valuable to contribute to a group. If you are a taker over time, um, your circle will get, you know, smaller and smaller. Um, but if you give unconditionally, uh, it, what it does it, it compounds goodwill. I think that's probably the most powerful form of compounding is when you're compounding goodwill in the world. Relationship like capital. Relationship capital. Um, and I, I just say compounding goodwill because th- there's no, um, I'm not expecting anything in return. If you yeah. ask me a question today about anything that's going on in your business and I you know, share my perspective or my experience with it, I don't own any equity stake in your business. Mm-hmm. There, you know, Whether you do that or you don't do that, it has no impact on my personal life whatsoever. But if it does end up doing positive for you, I think the world will be better. And that's the way I approach it. And I think when you approach it that way and a lot of high performers that I've that at least are I'm friends with, mm-hmm. um, have the same world Right. It, we used to be in a lot of different masterminds, but now it's like, okay, there's
0: probably one forum, you know, one like, you know, like a peer, like a reach founder's retreat like what we do over here. Um, what did you, okay. When, in your early twenties, how many of these groups were you in
1: and how many are you in now? You know, in, in when I first started, I was going to every conference cause you have to do that when you're in, in the early days. nobody do, knows you. Yeah. Nobody yeah. knows you. You're putting your brand out there. Um, so I, I was going to a lot of events. I mean, that's how you learn what works, what doesn't work, what you like, what you don't like. I was on the stage. I was speaking at conferences, thousands of people. Um, I was doing a lot of that. Like I don't even remember. I've attended hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousand conferences over over my career. Um, now I'm very very selective about the groups that I'm in, the conversations that I'm having. I would much rather prefer to go on a on a one on one lunch or one on one dinner with with a friend and catch up, uh, versus being. Um, Go, going to a 300 people event, I, I'd much rather prefer a 10 people event, like the one we're at right now than larger ones. Yeah. And what I'm hearing is you want to go deep instead of wide. I, I think you learn more that way. Yeah. I want to, when you are at an event, large event, everybody's talking about wins, mm-hmm. right? Nobody talks about failures. Yeah. I think we learn more from failures than we learn from wins. Yeah. I think one of our advantages at awesome Motive or at basically any of my companies is that we fail faster than other people where mm-hmm. one of my companies is failing at something and another one is failing at a different thing and another one is failing at a different thing. And it is my job to learn the, you know, learn from those, combine that knowledge and distill it back out to all the different teams. Yep. Um, I think that's probably our biggest advantage is Got we it. fail faster than anyone else. So let's talk about Asimotive. Awesome so what does that look like now? It's it's To me, it's a holding company of WordPress businesses, but you can go ahead. I, I don't like the word holding company. Okay. And it's actually not a holding company. What do you call it? it's a management company okay Uh, you know explain that first so when i when i was starting out i all of our businesses are completely separate uh, Uh businesses um because i believe that you cannot build solutions to solve problems that you don't fully understand that's very important so when one company tries to do 18 different things they're terrible at all 18 of them but when you put relentless focus and go deep on that one thing, you're going to build the best solution. So all of our companies are independent, independent leadership, independent operations, independent GMs, independent everything, not no resource sharing going on uh, in there. So, so like ultimately what awesome Motive is doing is it's is a glorified management um, company where, you know, I will give advice. Um, I'm an investor in many, many companies at this point. Some I own wholly, um, some I own majority stakes some I own minority stakes and, and, and yeah, so that's, that's how I, I think about automotive. motive. Okay. And how many
0: acquisitions, how many wholly owned acquisitions did you do last year? And, uh, what else? That we'll, we'll, we'll start with that first.
1: Last year, uh, we did 12, we okay. did 12 full acquisitions. Um, where I, just bought the whole companies and then um in and then I did four minority stake deals. I call them the growth fund. There's no other investor in my fund. Yeah. So it's just my personal per, personal capital. Um where I invested to acquire thirty percent or more yeah. minority stake. Yeah. And so why I mean, you know, the people might ask why thirty percent, why not go for majority of fifty one percent? When You're working with founders. You realize that not every founder wants to exit the whole business. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they're really committed uh, to what they're doing. I mean, one of the investments that I did uh, that we actually just announced uh, this earlier this week is called Groove. Mm -hmm. Groove HQ It's a top rated customer support software. And Alex, the founder, believes that the work he's doing in Groove is his personal legacy. He did not want to exit. He had offers to exit to a private equity company. He didn't want to exit. Rather, he wanted a strategic partner that has the same values i I'm a bootstrap founder. So I understand what the founders are looking for and not every founder builds the business to make it a billion dollar company. That's not true. Vast majority of companies are not going to be billion dollar companies. Yep. Um, so sometimes you're doing it. A lot of times you're doing it because you're passionate about what you're doing and you want to provide for your family at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So we had a lot of uh, alignment in terms of our life beliefs and so on. And he just wanted someone uh, who can offer strategic guidance, uh, marketing power and so on. Um, and, that's what we did so i'm completely okay you know coming alongside another bootstrap founder um and it's actually something i wished i had when mm-hmm. in the earlier days when you know if i if i had found someone i probably would have done that because that would have helped me accelerate my growth a yeah. lot i
0: know how your, your frameworks work so you but you feel free to share whatever you want to share here but like in terms of because there's so many companies here there are certain things that you look at to stay on track Or stay on top of things and then you'll proactively reach out if you know in certain situations so how does that framework look if
1: you want to share it yeah i mean so every company is autonomous in in that because i'm not a superhuman i have 24 hours in the day just like everybody else have it so the key is to have um good fundamentals good rules good you know good vision good um annual planning. We use EOS in a lot yeah, of our yeah. businesses. And so you have a VTO, which is the vision traction organizer. So those are like your guiding principles. And when there's alignment with the general manager or the founder that's running those businesses, they, it continues to grow. Of course, you have to make sure incentives are aligned, which is incentives and insecurities are the two most powerful forces that drive human behavior. So you have to make sure those are aligned. And after that, all what I'm looking at is the PL. You know, and I'll, I will chat with the with the GM or the founder, depending on how senior they are. Either I will talk to them uh, once a quarter. Or I'll talk to them once a month, um, just to kind of be be a, add my input, or offer any advice if they need it. But you know, if something is wrong in those metrics. Then I'll hop on a call and say hey uh, what's going on here
0: and you're looking at like it's like red light green light yellow light right pretty much you're basically looking at a scorecard
1: yeah hundred percent yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the only way you know you yeah. have to, it, it has to be color coded and it's not super fancy it's yeah. like a spreadsheet
0: yeah and but there and they're, all the spreadsheets are kind of all con- interconnected right at yes, the end of the day they are yeah um, I, you just said a powerful phrase it's incentives and insecurities that are the most powerful driving forces in I like guess in humans, right? So what what is that? In shaping Why human behavior. That?
1: Yeah. So most things that we do are driven by an incentive. So for example, if you're working out every morning, like we did today, um, that's because we want to live healthy. That's an incentive. But what's the real incentive? We want to live longer. We want to have a better quality of life. So th- those are the incentives. Now, for some people, it might be that. Their insecurities might be driving it maybe they're like i want to look good maybe they think they don't think that they look great yet maybe they're like hey i want to fit in uh, in better clothes or you know shape fitted clothes or whatever so it could be insecurities it could be incentives but almost always those are the two driving forces that are um, shaping human behavior and i actually believe there is a thing called an insecurity score oh okay um, and it's invisible, just like the, the, okay. uh, the frustration coefficient. So you will have in, in your company, then you'll find this is you have someone that's a very high performer and, at their job. And you both agree that they should p- be promoted because of course you wanna reward the, your team members and you wanna help them grow in their careers. And they go into the next role and they're crushing it. And then they go in the next role, they're crushing it. And then they go in the next role and all of a sudden the performance just tanks. And you wonder what happened um what really is going on sometimes may, maybe you hit the ceiling and maybe they're they're not skilled and uh, you know maybe you gave them a little challenge too big at which point you can identify those but what i have learned a lot of times it is around insecurities the, the you know they feel more nervous the responsibilities are too high the fear of loss gets so much that it Takes away their confidence, and they're not making those decisions that they were making before at the same fast pace, which is you know hurting their output. So I call that the insecurity line. And then you need to make sure, okay, um, you make a fair checklist at that point. What are you afraid of? Um, and you write those things down, and you and you figure out how you can eliminate those, so they can continue to make those decisions faster like they were doing before, so they can continue to be a productive member of the team.
0: Can you share a story? You don't have to give names, obviously, but share a story about how you did this because it sounds interesting.
1: I'd I'd like to hear an example. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, we, we at at all of my companies, I really believe in promoting from within because I believe someone who has been with you for a very long time, they should be rewarded. They understand your system. They should continue to grow with you because what I would like to do is build a generational company. I want to work with people who I enjoy working with for the rest of my life. And I wanna keep doing it until I'm 90, 94, Generational to you is like, till you die, basically. Pretty much. Yeah. Generational to me is pretty much <laughs> what I die And Generation, I guess, is defined like 25 years, Okay. right? That's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. like the definition yeah, yeah, of, yeah. of generation. Yeah. So I wanna build a generational, so multi-generations. Um, who knows, maybe our team members' kids are also working at, yeah. at one of the many companies yeah. that who knows how many we own at that, at that point, how many I own at that point. So, so as we're promoting, um, you know, one of the people, real rock star, let's say in marketing, real, real rock star. Um, and we say, okay, Hey, now you should, uh, lead a team instead of going from an individual contributor to a team, there's some roadblocks there. Oh, well, should I like, you know, they're great at individual tasks, but not okay with giving feedback. So you need to you know, provide them with training and so on on those things. Um, but then there's an insecurity like, Hey, this was my peer before and now um, the relation dynamics have changed, and I feel that if I give this, you know, feedback to that, mm-hmm. my relationship might be, you know, broken, and that's insecurities. Yeah, because you're negotiating with yourself at that point. Yeah, you should never do that and so is this something by the way like it sounds like this is the insecurity score it feels like it's
0: helpful to refresh for everyone in the company every quarter or something like that
1: yeah especially if you're a manager and you have you have teams um you need to be on the lookout for that you know Uh, and this is one of the things that eos helps with if you have the l10 scorecards, which is a level 10 meeting Mm -hmm. if you read the book traction by gino wickman it talks about that but um, if you have those scorecards and the accountability pieces, you'll know uh, when someone who's a high performer they drop. Usually, when when the performance drops for a high performer, it's because something external has happened. Um, maybe something's going on there in their life. Maybe maybe something uh, you know is impacting maybe the role changed this environment changed uh, and you need to be aware of that and when you you know double tap on that double yeah. click on that and uh, so it reveals. and is
0: that you doing it because you know us as entrepreneurs like we're not the most empathetic people but I have your personality score I have mine too but I yeah. know how empathetic we are but like it's we build frameworks so yes. how, who does this for you
1: so you know I, I have to work myself to do this um, I'm very straight shooter, right? I'm a busy, I like to say I'm a busy wig. What you see is what you get. Yeah. Um, and I have to work on that and make sure that, you know, when I'm presenting the feedback or giving someone feedback, I'm conscious of the feelings of the other person mm. as well. Um, but what's the most important part is that my goals are aligned with the other person. I care for the other person deeply. Um, and I want them to succeed because if they succeed, that's how we succeed. Um, you know, so w- one of the things that I... I believe is that I believe people should win. I believe people deserve more. I believe they should win and they should win more often. Um, and uh, you know, those are my personal um, values, and that's what are, are defining everything that we're doing. And I think these are universal truths, actually. These are not even values. These are universal truths that are gonna be, that were true 50 years from now, 50 years ago. They're true now, they'll be true 100 years from now.
0: Dude, that's very presidential of you. You weren't (laughs) born in the US, right? You you can't become president. I can't become president. You can become governor though. (laughs) Um, One one powerful thing that you you said was, um, the phrase you use is "People, people should see acquisitions
1: as paid media. What do you mean by that? Oh, that was a private conversation that we were having earlier. Yeah, um, I, I was talking about, uh, there was a big shift that happened in my career. So I'm a blogger, um, <laughs> which means you're you know you're founder, you're entrepreneur, you're running a media company. As, He's as much more call, than a blogger. Yes. As, as, as they call it these days, you're a content creator, you have a media company, whatever. Uh, at the end of the day, you're a blogger. <laughs> uh, so, so I was an entrepreneur i built one software company um and there was a shift in my mental mindset was going from an entrepreneur to a capital allocator and i learned this from warren buffett right Uh, and one of the things he says is that i am a better investor because i'm a businessman and i'm a better businessman because i'm an investor so at the end of the day all what you're doing as a ceo is you're allocating capital, whether you're allocating it towards hiring, whether you're allocating towards marketing and uh, what whatnot, right? So when you start thinking about, um, CAC and you're spending paid buying paid ads, um, some of the companies are spending like forward revenue on CAC, right? Or CAC. And, um, at which point I think buying an adjacent company is far more lucrative because, um, most businesses don't trade at super duper high multiples that you might read on TechCrunch or yeah. whatever, right? Most businesses trade at normal valuations, um, and when you do the math, it, the capital allocation towards acquisition of adjacent businesses work out to be better than PPC. Go on. It does. <laughs> <laughs> so, example, example, like you know, let, let's let's do simple math. Let's say you're spending hundred dollars to acquire a business. Okay. And uh, acquire a customer, but you're, you, you know, but you're making $50. So you're spending two years because you know, the customer is going to expand in value or whatever. Um, you can buy a business at two times revenue um, that might not be growing, but they already have all the customers that you have because there's only three ways to grow a business. If you're, especially if you're in a subscription business, there's only three ways to grow it. You can get new customers, you can expand your existing customers, or you can reduce churn. Like, there is no other growth levers. Everything else falls in between these buckets. Uh, And when you say, okay, well, new customers, how can you do it? You can make YouTube videos, you can um, buy ads, you can do content marketing. It means there's a zillion ways, but probably the best way is you can just acquire another business. You buy a company and then you can expand
0: those customers too. If you have adjacent Absolutely. services and, and Absolutely. products.
1: The, the, the math works out to be much better.
0: Yep. And how you have create, I mean, because you've been in the WordPress space for what 23, 24 years?
1: No. So 17 years, I started in 2006,
0: more than half my life. I'm 33 years right now. Okay. So more than half your life, you've been in the WordPress space. And so you're knowing, right? How does that affect, how do you go about getting deal flow?
1: Well, now, um, especially in the WordPress space, when someone wants to exit, especially an entrepreneur, you have to think about what's important to them in, in the deal. Of course, valuation is important, but entrepreneurs want to make sure that, uh, that the customers are taken care of. The products are taken care of because it's their legacy. Nobody wants to sell their company to a sleazy private equity company that's going to kill yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, th- that's that's nobody's vision. Nobody. It's ironic.
0: Pre- the PE firms actually do a pretty good job at the end of the day. <laughs> the, the good ones. Right? The good ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: The good ones. Yeah. I think there's a lot more horror stories than 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 the good ones. Same with VC. Um, yeah. So, so I think you know that because of having a good reputation all the founders um, reach out to us directly now. Um, of course, like, you know, v- where I see synergy or if I see a strategic fit, I will reach out to the founder myself too. Um, but having a good reputation helps, having good relationships help.
0: You actually do a really good job of being not too front-facing, kind of behind the scenes a little bit. Like you're seen just enough, yeah. where like you're a known entity, right? Um, and I think that's actually the best place because it's, uh, it's best to become wealthy and anonymous, right? So, and I know you've been very intentional
1: about it, So if people want to do that, how should they go about it? I think he, my philosophy is that I should let my work speak for itself instead of me going on a camera and, you know, touting my own horn yeah. kind of thing. Um, okay. Speaking of which, um, what are the economics of buying gas stations? Why should people buy gas stations? Let me, can I give you a story maybe? Okay. So, When I moved to US, I was 12 years old in 2003, my dad, um, his degree didn't validate, so he's a mechanical engineer by trade, um, but moving to us, he would have to go get recertified and everything. Um, and you know, where there's three of us kids and then one, my brother was on the way, uh, so the only job that my dad could find was working at a gas station. So not owning a gas station, nothing minimum wage, um, you know, gas station cashier, you know, also the janitor, also everything, you know, that, that, that operator does everything, um, uh, on it. So my dad worked 16 hours a day, um every day of the week, pretty much. Uh, on the weekends, he had a third job. So he had three jobs. Uh, gas two. station, what was the two and three? Gas station, gas station, and gas station. Oh, double, oh triple three, gas yeah, stations, yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow. It, okay. it, 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 was, it was gas stations um, where, where he, was doing, he was doing this. So he would go you know, one shift in one gas station, go to the next one, change in the bathroom over there, uh, and then work that. Because that was the only way to make ends meet. Um, but what I learned from that, watching that was People go to the gas station they're not going anywhere they're in the corner you're going you're going to fill up your gas all the time i was playing cricket uh i love cricket and i met this pakistani um entrepreneur and he was a sponsor of our team and he loved playing and he's like hey you don't have to pay anything you can just play for the team as long as you know everybody treat treat each other nicely and i really was you know inspired by him he became my very first mentor i was 14 years old and I asked him, how did you make money? Did you, did you inherit it? You know, as a 14 year old, I had no filter yeah. <laughs> and, and he, and he said, no, I own real estate. I'm like, what kind of real estate? And he's like, I own, you know, gas stations, convenience oh. stores. And he has like hundreds and hundreds of them, right? And I'm like, oh, uh, that's pretty cool. So I learned so much. I would just go to his house to watch cricket games. Um, and in between breaks, I would just learn, you know. How did you
0: meet this guy in the first place?
1: playing cricket at a random league just like a random
0: okay random league, yeah, just yeah. just
1: just for fun it was yeah. completely out of the blue maybe yeah, yeah, it was yeah. meant to happen yeah. i don't know um so you know after the financial crisis a lot of people in real estate they're overly leveraged by the way leverage is what pretty much destroys any business right that's how you come to You suicide. don't really you don't do any leverage. I don't do any leverage. You know, I have seen yeah. people get completely wiped yeah. out with Even leverage. Even a little leverage can wipe you out. Yeah, if if yeah. you if you if, you're not, if you don't have yeah. good margin of safety. Um, I believe in operating with very large margin of safety. So so what I did at the time once my online businesses were making money I didn't spend anything right I was very very frugal. So um, I went to him and I said, "Hey, Um, I would like to buy a gas station too, because I've saved up enough money and he helped me find, um, my first several deals because, um, there were so many at that time that were being foreclosed on because somebody, uh, was either was going through a divorce during that time or had a lot of debt. Um, I've also purchased, maybe somebody died and their state is selling it. And that's when you can get a value, um, purchase. Well, how old were you? Um, I was in my 20s, early 20s. So, And so I bought them because one, they're corner lots. Uh, I'm not operating those gas stations. I'm, I I own the real estate and they're leased out to publicly traded companies like Kustard, right? That own Circle K and so on. Um, and they they pay you rent, and they pay for your insurance, they pay for uh, maintenance, they, they cover everything, right? So at the, it's net, net, net. It's called triple net leases, you can look it up. Um, but it's headache free for the owner. And for me, I was not sure what my digital business was gonna do because nobody in my family has ever had a business considering I told you how hard my dad was working. I'm like, well, you know, if all of this goes away, at least I have this predictable income right. that will sustain my life um and that was i think was a pretty important and uh shift also in my journey because once i had that peace of mind i was no longer stressed um about things so i'm like okay if something goes wrong this, i have to set the backup i was able to make more bold moves in the business got it so and Let's say if you use simple
0: round numbers, it's if someone invests like a hundred dollars. What are they expecting to get back from from a gas station? Yeah, I mean it, it
1: depends on what you're what you're buying it at. I think it, most of the value is done when you're buying it. You know, most of the risk is covered when you're buying it. Of what price you pay, that's how you protect yourself. Um, I've seen gas stations trading at four percent cap rate, which basically means if you put. you make $4, Um, but I think that's a pretty terrible deal, generally, I mean, you know, unless you know know something else about that land that other people don't know. Um, There's oil under it. (laughs) Or or maybe this is underpriced, right? So so whatnot. But um, uh, typically they can be better better than that um like m- everything that i bought was in the eight nine percent and now they're much more um, higher because they're um the rent has gone up that's I that's yeah. like level, yeah, yeah. I, because that's amazing that's like s p level yeah yeah because you because i bought them low yeah i bought them low at the right time um on, under the right circumstances and so on i'm not yeah. going and buying an open market yeah.
0: Um, yeah by the way i mean here's the side quest over here you're I know you uh, to be a really good negotiator. And so what is, what are your philosophies around negotiating? Because that's how you get these like eight, 9% cap rate deals, so.
1: Well, I think the most important thing in negotiation is your power to walk away and having no emotional attachment um, to it. And for me, that was the case with just about every real estate. I had no emotional attachment to that. I see it as a vehicle for my family's safety. And um, so like if, if I can get it, I get it. If not, you have to stay disciplined. Yeah. In investing, I think most of the mistakes that happen is when you lose those disciplines, when you lose those checklists, mm-hmm. um, you know, and you say, okay, um, I'm a wonderful operator, I can turn around any business, uh, I can do this, like, you know, after you have your first success, you think you can, you're, doing, you're, unstoppable. you're invincible, yeah, yeah. right? And 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 that's not the case. In most cases, uh, I, was, I was reading uh, a Berkshire letter from the 1980s, uh, and and Warren writes in there, it's like he says, you know, if, when you put, in vast majority of cases, with few exceptions, when you put a highly reputable management team um, with a business that has a reputation of having poor uh, fundamentals, it's the reputation of the business that stays intact. Yeah. <laughs> so yep. um, So I think you you have to stay disciplined and you need to know that what your capabilities are and what your circle of competence is. What else have they said? They, they've also said like hire, a, make sure you have a business that
0: where an idiot can run it because eventually an idiot will.
1: <laughs> yeah, they do say that. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so speaking of frugality, have you, have you read the, the Elon Musk book? No. So entertaining. The uh, yeah, main thing is, is, is he's extremely frugal, right? And if you look at some of the best entrepreneurs, they're extremely frugal. So what are your philosophies in terms of
1: uh, how, do you, how you can actually continue to stay frugal? I think our you have to look into what's your desire for spending why is that desire there? A lot of times that desire is there because you're looking at external scorecards. You're trying to play a catch-up game. And you say, you know, I see so-and-so friend of mine, they're driving a Rolls-Royce, so I also better get a Rolls-Royce. So you're trying to keep up with the Joneses yeah, yeah, mentality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a lot of times that's how the lifestyle creep happens, right, and you're, my salary is going up or my income is going up, I can afford more things on debt. Right? because you don't think about the actual value of what you're buying you think about what the payments are going to be especially when it's a very large purchase you know if you if you're buying like maybe a expensive watch once or expensive clothes once whatever it's not it, it might not be destructive to you but if you're going and buying multiple real real estate you know million millions of dollars of things um those can especially when their leverage can be destructive so to avoid lifestyle creep i have certain principles that I follow um, I like to offset my expenses and depreciating assets that I might purchase with an appreciating asset um, so you want to give the Sully example sure so my, my, my son Solomon when he was being born um, I was like well how much is this going to cost um, you know because your lifestyle expenses go up you know anybody who has kids know that their diapers their school there's you know, all, all sorts of things so I said well, you know, if something is to happen to me, it's not easy to run my business, yeah. right? it, it, Like because you have to spend half There's your life. There's so in much it. knowledge, right? Yeah. There's so much knowledge that I picked up over 16 last 16, 17 years. So, I said, well, I will buy a gas station and um, free and clear, and the retur- you know it's for Solomon, and mm-hmm. and the return of that pays for any expense that uh, is incurred for Solomon, and anything that's not incurred will be saved up for. For him to um, you know go to college or yep. whatever. So. Yeah. So
0: for any new expense you have, you need to offset it with like some type of investment that will pay. Absolutely. For that. So if yep. if
1: you're thinking about you know let's say if if you're working and you just got a raise twenty percent whatever raise that you just yep. got um, and you're like oh well now I can afford my next BMW payment. Yep. Stop. Don't do that. Invest that somewhere else. Right. And then once your dividends from that investment gets to the point where you can afford that new BMW payment, yep. that's when you can buy the BMW.
0: by the way, like in in investing. It's about not selling assets at the end of the day because you don't want to inter- interrupt compounding, right? But so here's the thing with that. It's um what if like let's say someone's in college and they have, you know, money in stocks or whatever it is exactly, but then they need to pay for expenses. So
1: what do they do there? Should they get a loan? What happens? <laughs> I, I think it's uh it's not quite that you should not sell. It's not quite that you should not sell. It depends on what asset it is. Just avoid selling um if it's a wonderful asset, yeah, you should avoid selling it at that point. You know, you you should find another way, maybe um, figure something out. But it's not. It doesn't. That doesn't apply to all assets. Like you know, sometimes you have, you have when you're buying a stock, you're buying the underlying business. If the fundamentals of the underlying business are changing, and you have no operational control in that business, the wise investment move would be to take your profits and move on to the next investment idea that you have. Um, so that's that's the way I think about it. But let's say you own a great piece of real estate and it it doesn't cost you too much and you know it's lucrative and you know this area is going to grow. They're not making any more land. Like lands were the original NFT's I guess, right? Whatever. So <laughs> <laughs> they they, they, don't, they don't make any more of those. Yeah. Um, so you may not want to sell it, you can hold on to it. If you have holding power, you can hold on to it um, over long term of time, unless you have a better idea. Right? It's all about if you have a better investment thesis, something else came up and the opportunity cost of holding this is more than the benefit here. So. I don't think I've ever shown you this, This I'll show you like
0: once we stop recording, there's this, this chart, because when we we're taught growing up, at least my parents, it was like, oh, you gotta own, you got to have a, a big home 401k and all that. And you think most of your assets go into that. Right. right. And so when you look at the net worth of someone that's under hundred K or a million or whatever, even under 10 million, it's mostly like the home, right? Maybe there's some stocks here and there, but once you go like 10 million to a hundred million, it's mostly business, your business, right? Yeah. So like, is, is that how your asset allocation
1: is, is split up right now or. Well, I have a pretty diversified portfolio from asset allocation perspective, but. It would be, be fair to say that vast majority of, a not vast majority, a large percentage of what I have is in the businesses. Yeah. And the reason is because we can control it as much uh, as we can. Well, so I in your investment, in, in anything that you're doing, you have to figure out what is your edge. Mm-hmm. What is your competitive edge? Because look, if I try to play basketball against LeBron James, I'm going to lose, right? So yeah. uh, I don't have any advantage in playing basketball with LeBron. But... If LeBron tries to start a WordPress plugin business, mm-hmm. I think LeBron's going to lose because you know he, he has certain certain he doesn't have the same advantages, right? So right. you have to find what's your circle of competence, and you need to find what is your edge, right? Um, so that makes a that makes a big 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 difference. And I feel that in this small business software category that I'm operating in, uh, for a portion of of the businesses that we have. Um, I do have a unique understanding of that audience because I write the blog, I, you know, I talk to those customers, I'm reading the feedback that they're sending in and, and so on. And I feel like, as a business owner, I also understand the problems. Like the, one of the biggest reasons why I invested in, in Groove was because I'm really upset with my current help desk software, right? They keep raising their prices. Uh, the platform is buggy as hack. Um, it's not scaling for us. And I'm like, well, I should just build one or buy one. And then, you know, if I can buy one, it's faster and better. Um, so I looked around the industry and I I talked to many people. And they all had the same problem. Front, too expensive. Zendesk, too expensive. X, everything, nobody's happy with it. Uh, their solution, I'm like, well, this thing looks really good. It does everything I need and like 30, 40% cheaper. So like, let's let's go do that. So a lot of the solutions that I'm, I'm investing in, are solving the problems that I am having in one of my many other businesses. So like take take like Uncanny Automator which is like you know Automator plugin for WordPress um, is Zapier for WordPress. Oh, I, I'm yeah. tired of paying the Zapier tax. Yeah. <laughs> if you, the cost per it's pay per task. Yeah, per yeah. task. I yeah. call it the Zapier tax. Yeah. I pay enough taxes in my life. <laughs> I don't need to pay a Zapier tax. So so I said, well, this is this this cost is going up. I don't want this, Somebody ha- this can't be rocket science. Somebody has to be doing it. And guess what? You know, this, this, these entrepreneurs, Ryan and Ken out of Toronto, they had built this for WordPress. And I said, I wanna partner with them. So I invested in their business and now they have 150 integrations um, th- that does everything from sending the data from your WordPress website to a spreadsheet, to sending data from one website to another site to another site. Yeah. You can have all kinds of recipes, right? Yeah. And you don't pay the per task fee. Yeah. So. I feel that's my unique advantage as a business owner, as an operator, and especially in this space, I see the problems firsthand. And if I can find a solution that satisfies me and our needs, I'm sure it will satisfy many other people's needs because it's not really that, that yep. big. And, and that's the philosophy, that's your philosophy and definitely
0: you should stick with it. I, yesterday I was, before we were picking you up at the airport, I was like, man, I, I think, you know, paper task, Zapier, they've been doing that. Intercom has now switched to pay per ticket solved, right? They charge a dollar per ticket. Right. I'm like, man, is this going to be the rise of pay per task? It's like, I don't know, man. It's, it's, I don't
1: know. Like, could be. That's how I see it. I don't know how you think about it. I think people want to be billed fairly. Yes. Okay, and, and you, ha- you have to deliver the value if you want to yeah. charge for it. So if the ticket doesn't cost a dollar, right, and you, you want me to pay you a yeah. dollar, if at scale, everybody's going to, move away from it. Yeah, it's, It can't be something like, oh, am
0: I on the right page? Solved. like, that right. can't be a dollar. Yeah, no, yeah? no.
1: So say so, so yeah, value, you know, value proposition has to be fair. It's gotta be commensurate with the value. And
0: I think, you know, in the future with AI, you'll be able to quickly do that value calculation there and maybe you can line item that all out, but we're, we're far away from that right now.
1: Yes. With any new technology, what, what I've observed is that it, there's a adoption window and that's always. Longer than us tech enthusiasts anticipate. Oh so, yeah! The internet so, took forever. Internet took forever, right? Yeah. And and if, if you think e-commerce is huge right now, e-commerce is such a small fraction. If you think about the number of total retail stores that exist in the world, how many of them have e-commerce presence? Not many. No, not many. Yeah. Vast vast majority of them don't. Yeah. Like I'm talking about super majority. Like, like ninety percent plus. Yeah. yeah. So and even so, the blockchain stuff gonna take a very long time. Very long time. So yeah. I think same same thing uh, with AI. AI is very very powerful, um, but if you if you ask most people, they're maybe just using the basic Chat GPT oh, yeah. for the very basic Mid-jury, prompting yeah, and yeah. and and not not to the scale that one would. So 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 yeah, the adoption will take take some time. So
0: a couple more things from my side. I mean, um, we talked about some stupid investment mistakes, even, even yesterday, right? Um, so what are some stupid investment mistakes? What are some Syedisms that you got for this?
1: Balkyisms. Balkyisms. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, well, one, don't, don't think that you're, you're a turnaround king. Um, that, that's, that's, that's important. And, you know, just, I used to think that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think that, that, that's a lesson you only learn after you fail. Um, don't think that you can just go in any industry and, and and really. Like, I thought, oh, maybe I should start a fitness blog because I'm clearly very good at did blogging. Did you really? I did. <laughs> and it failed. That's why I never talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> wow, getting um, vulnerable. So, yeah. It, so, here's like, so I had WP Beginner doing well. I created this list 25, like a listicle uh, blog that went really viral on YouTube. You got a ton of right. subs. Two yeah, million, three two, million? Two and a half million subs, half a billion video views. Yeah. Huge, huge, right? And I'm like, Man, I could go in any space. They've got the Midas touch. Yeah, make a blog and, yeah. and, and go. So I'm like, you know what? Fitness. Fitness is huge. I should go in fitness. Yeah. Bust. Yep. Right? So, so you have to stay in your, in your circle of competence. I think that's very important. The other thing is avoid overpaying for things. Operating with a large margin of safety. So a lot of times people say, well, you, you know, if, you, if you have cash on the balance sheet, that's not good. And you say, well, look at Berkshire. They're sitting on $150 billion in cash because patience is very, very important um, in investing. And that's, that's a trade that is hard to learn, really, really hard to practice. Um, The ability to sit there and do nothing Uh, like 2021, right? Valuations for businesses started going through the roof. You sat Pat, you didn't do much. I didn't do much. Yep. We bought one business or maybe two that year. Um, and we just stayed on the sideline because it didn't make sense. So, so having, having that discipline is important. And, and the old me would have just said, yes, I wanna be, you know, I have a checklist. I'm trying to impress other people. Yeah, if yeah, I yeah. don't do, like, so we did 12 acquisitions last year, right? If I don't do 12 acquisitions this year, I'm not upset about it. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm not trying to impress you or anyone else. Like if, if I write my year-end review, that's one, the only blog I write on my personal blog, right? At, at the end of the year, the year-end recap. If my year-end recap next year says, I only bought three businesses, I don't care. so so it has it has to make sense it has to be um so that, that that's probably the biggest business mistake uh acquisition mistake investing mistake that uh that that people make I think there's a key thing here too. It's, it's, you learned your mistake. Like, it's not like you were pro like immune
0: to mistakes. Like you learned, Hey, the power of focus. Also you learned not to get too ahead of your skis with the acquisitions yeah. when, when everyone's like super hyped about yeah. things. And uh, that's how you honed your patience.
1: Yeah, actually um, it was, it was something you sent me in, in 2020 when the pandemic started. Mm. Um, you sent me this, uh, this PDF, which had maybe like a hundred stories or something of, entrepreneurs talking yes, about the 80s or whatever, the big crash in the 70s, 80s, right? Yeah, yeah. And you know there was one one theme in that? Uh, in that, as you read, of course, everybody had a different business. They had all failed and they were writing a memoir, right? Um, the common theme was over leverage. That's what killed them. Every single one of them over leverage because they did not operate with margin of safety. So the three most important words in investment is margin of safety mos yeah there you have it all right and wh- by the way because you and i we
0: we both have these charlie munger and warren buffett bronze busts like you have it right in back of yep.
1: you right um what are your favorite some of your f- favorite Mungerisms, buffettisms before we get out of here oh man i have i have so many so many of them you know the one that i really really like about from from Munger is to never interrupt compounding in necessarily um inversion inward always always inward inward. um i look at every situation how i'm gonna die so like i think there's only three mental models well i use many mental models but there's three that i use more than others um first principles second order thinking and inversion i think when you combine those three you you will avoid most things uh You know, Buffett's rule of uh, investment. Number one, don't Don't lose money. money. Two, don't forget rule number one. I think that's very, very important um, rules. And just that discipline. You can listen to their annual letters over and over, you know, the meetings. and pick up new ideas. Yeah, B- Buffett's so Munger's.
0: It's more like phrases you can remember, right? Buffett's got like paragraphs of things, and th- the Buffett one I remember is more so like most people just don't want to sit around on their asses, or maybe it's a Charlie Munger
1: thing, and just you know wait to get rich. Right? Actu- yeah, you know, it, it, compounding is. It, it, it takes time the most one of the most important uh, you know factor in the compounding equation is time uh, you know there's all sorts of compounding calculators you can say okay uh, if if you set aside a million dollars right now um, and you know say it earns like seven percent or whatever mm-hmm. uh, for for hundred years how much you think it will turn uh, probably that like close to like 800 million if that dollar purchase, purchase amount was invested um, from the time period just in an aggregate you know, index if there's mm-hmm. if there was such a thing at the time uh, over the period of time it would and the amount of doubles in 10 in X's it would have done it would be worth like far m- far larger amount an order of magnitude bigger than the value of the entire Manhattan Island Wow <laughs> so, yeah. so I, I encourage you to pull that up maybe add it in the show notes or something um, I think it's a, yeah. there's always a different perspective two more things over here so you I remember so you you
0: invited me to come over to you, one of your growth fund meetups, right? Yes. And it's an annual retreat that your portfolio companies do. And it's awesome. Everyone's hanging out, everyone's having a meal. So do you want to talk about that a little bit and kind of the benefit for companies to do stuff like that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So we do we do this twice a year, um, generally March and September, so six months apart, uh, where the founder or the general manager, basically the people that are leading these individual businesses get together. Because as I mentioned, they're operating autonomously Independently. So they have their own thing to do. They they don't have the time to sit around, talk to each other, and and so on. But as I said, one of our advantages is that we fail faster than other people. We're learning from our mistakes. So when you were there, you, I'm sure you saw, we talked about, hey, what were some of the wins that you had? What are you, you know, what did you learn in, in this last six months? So you, we go around the group. Uh, it's essentially a mini founders network, mini leaders network. And they're sharing stories about from like 40 different businesses that, that, that are in that room. Um, and it just amplifies the knowledge transfer. Um, and I think, that's a very big challenge that most businesses have, especially as you're growing, is a knowledge transfer gap. And the knowledge transfer gap continues to get bigger and bigger, and that's how the businesses stall, yeah. the growth stalls. Uh, and you need to make sure you're bridging that gap if you want to keep scaling. Yeah. And the Growth Fund Meetup allows, uh, allows for that. It's all c- just communication at the end of the day. Yeah, communication, also, you know, like, one of the things people say, well, you know, Syed, one company is promoting the other company. Um, and that's not, natu- that's not by default uh, or, or design. Each of the general managers have full autonomy on, the, on what they choose to promote, uh, whether it's uh, our own solution or sometimes not our solution, right? So, like, imagine if me and you get here together and I'm like, hey, Eric, I'm thinking about uh, promoting PPC agency to my audience because we're friends friend and because we are hanging out and I see there's alignment here, yeah. we might partner up and do that joint venture, right, right, not right. even joint venture, just like cross promotion deal. Yep. So that, that, I call that alignment. Mm-hmm. So we set aside an hour and a half to two hours, uh, you know, of the day and I just call that time period, alignment, alignment, alignment. So, hey, GMs, founders, talk to each other, figure out where you see paths to grow and yeah. they will talk. and. A lot of good come out, 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 out yeah. of that and
0: too. Do you want to explain kind of the, the setup for this? Like you have multiple houses, like the food and everything.
1: Um, yeah. Logistics. Yeah. So, you know, it started, you know, it's basically every company that I own um, or I've invested in. I invite the founders or leaders of that company. And we started- and are you paying for them or- yeah, so the, those businesses, individual businesses pay for, for that. Imagine if you were going to a conference, yeah. like, you know, your business would so they're pay for they're paying for themselves, you're just setting it up. Well, technically, I'm paying I, for it. <laughs> Indirectly, yeah, I'm yeah. paying for all of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, it, it, the businesses, their respective yeah, their businesses. Their P&Ls are, paying for it. Their P&Ls yeah, yeah, yeah. are paying for it. Um, and so we started with just doing it one house, um, and it was like maybe eight-bedroom house or something like that. Um, and the one that you came, was like 14 bedroom house in Orlando. And in that same neighborhood, we had like four other houses. Each of the other houses had like five bedrooms each. Uh, and we had like a commuter cars that were bringing people into the main house. Um. Uh, We've actually uh, outgrown the houses now. That was the last one that we did. I think the houses were so yeah. intimate, though. Yeah. Right. But as you saw, the theater room in those big houses. Orlando, by the way, if you're ever looking to do a big thing, this yeah. reunion um, place is called Reunion Resort in yeah. Orlando. And they have massive houses, like 14, 16-bedroom houses, yep. theater room, et cetera. So we were using the theater room for the presentation. Um, massive dinner table with like 26 people. Food was good. Food was really good. Yeah, we had yeah. a private chef there yeah. uh, and everything. So... Um, but that was the last one that we g- we are going to do at the at the houses. Um the next one um is going to be in Turkey actually. Oh, and yeah. uh, and we're gonna do do, uh, no no in Istanbul. Okay. All right. In Istanbul and I like uh, it. and and yeah so we're going we're going to try hotels now because it's just very hard to scale houses at this point. Got it. Favorite favorite books that first books that come to mind. You can list this is plural. Oh man. Um so I Psychology of Money is the book that I gift to every um Cousin, kid, in my family that's graduating high school. Psychology of Money and Atomic Habits. Those are the two gifts for me when they graduate high school. Yeah, that sets the base for the future. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, a book that I read last year from Morgan Housel, Same as Ever, was very good. Is it really? I have it sitting on my desk. Yeah, Same as Ever. Okay. A, a lot of good stories. Um, Clear Thinking by Shane Parrish was very good. A book that you most people probably won't read or, or know about is uh, I read the trilogy on uh, this entrepreneur, a really great entrepreneur, Roy Thompson. Um, so, so, so Roy Thompson, uh, the Thompson family is the richest family in Canada, right? the Thompson Reuters, Thompson et yeah. cetera. And, uh, so he built a media empire and you know, radio stations and newspapers and so on. And I just find his journey to be so fascinating because he did so many acquisitions along mm-hmm. the way. Um, so I think there's like, uh, Roy Thompson, the, Lord of Fleet Street, Roy yeah. Thompson of Fleet Street. I think that's the book. One of the books, and then the second one is After I Was Sixty, and then yeah. the third one is the Thompson Empire. So th- that trilogy is uh, is really good for those who who like reading yeah. about um, uh, amazing individuals uh, from from the past. So let, let me set this one out for you. Okay, so so
0: basically, you told me about these books. There's the Rockefeller one, and then there's a the Vanderbilt one. So how should people think about passing on generational wealth to their
1: families? That's a very uh, hard, hard thing to think about because nobody knows how your kids are gonna turn out. Um, You hope that you're doing everything right so the kids have a bright future, but you don't have practice being a parent. So the best thing you can do is learn from history, learn from others who were successful and who have done it and what went right and what went wrong. Um, and then in, in America, the two biggest families, when you think about, that have stories, uh, is the Vanderbilt family and the Rockefeller family. The Vanderbilt family uh, basically wiped the whole wealth within second generation after that. So so it was, it was all gone. Versus the Rockefellers <laughs> continued to passed down that wealth uh, for many many generations. and the big thing that that stood out there was the values that was imparted by John D Rockefeller to his kids and then from there onward. Um, and it was a lot, a lot around ledger keeping. Uh, you know spend a third, save a third, give a third um, to summarize the books. So one uh, was called the House like Fortune's Children um and then i forget the other becoming one's becoming a rockefeller beco- yeah becoming a rockefeller Be- being big bec- no being a rockefeller or becoming me uh something, something like this that, something yeah. like that and yeah. you, you know we we can add that in in the notes but uh but yeah so very starkly different um and and uh, and our ending outcomes yeah so yeah, I, I haven't figured out um, what that's going to look but it's like because you're looking at patterns. I am looking at patterns. I'm looking at history to give me guidance. Uh, you know, history rhymes and repeats, and uh, you, there's so much we can learn from from yeah. those events.
0: I, I think the, the the final thing we can end off with is that a lot of the stuff that you're reading, a lot of stuff that most people read, are, are lindy, right? Meaning that if they've been around for the last hundred years, they'll probably be around for the next hundred years. That's true.
1: Um, you you want to find things that are that are certain that that give you a certain amount of certainty among chaos because there's always chaos things that look like chaos right now will be there tomorrow and so on the chaos just sort of change we're always once in a hundred year events are always happening every, every other week yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so it just depends so, so I I do like to find read and find those patterns and also looking at um, annual letters yeah um, I do read those
0: yeah pattern recognition is everything so. What is the best way for people to find you online, Syed?
1: Um, Well, I think you can read about me on my blog, SyedBalki.com. I write only once a year, but it's it's the best blog post you'll read that year. (laughs) 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 It it, it has the culmination of all the lessons I learned, all the things that we did, and and so on. Um, You can find me on Twitter at SyedBalki. Um, You can go to am.co to see all the various companies that we have and all the cool things that we're doing.